Hey, and welcome to the Weather Channel. I, Allie, personally know that when you're at rock bottom, it can feel like God is an emotionally abusive boyfriend. This podcast exists to disprove the theory that joy and goodness are only found in perfect circumstances. Here, you will hear real stories from people who, when faced with heart-wrenching circumstances, chose joy, whether or not it made sense. Hey, I have taken a big step back from social media. It is just draining to me. And after fighting for my life, I am really intentional about the way that I am spending my time um, with the life that the Lord has given me. And so I have stepped back. It is just not a great place for me to be in as much as I used to be. But I am not leaving you. I have had some people ask how they can stay connected to me um, more easily since I am not on social media anymore. And so that is through my email community. If you want to get more frequent updates from me as well as have a place to stay well connected, I'm usually not hanging out in my Instagram or Facebook messages, but I do check my email at least once a day. So if you want to get on the email community list, you can go to AllieChristian.com and you can click in the top right where it says join email community, or you can simply go to AllieChristian.com slash email community and easily sign up and stay connected. Hey, Jean, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Would you just take a few minutes and share with us about yourself? Yeah. So I'm Jean. I am married to Zach. We've just celebrated nine years of marriage, which I cannot Mm. believe. And yeah, we, it flies by, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. I'm like, how are we planning our 10 year anniversary trip? Yes. It's just, it's blowing my mind. Yes. When is your actual anniversary? July 27th. Oh, sweet. We're so close. We're August 9th. So, oh, that is so close. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Fun. So yeah, we've been married nine years. We have currently three children in our home and they're nuts, but we love them. They're beautiful and they keep us humble. Very much awesome. so. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And how many are biological? How many are foster or adopted? We're going to get into this, but I do want to hear. Yeah. So we have zero biological children. Okay. My two boys are both adopted. So they are our sons through the blessing of adoption. And then our little girl, Ella is one and she's our foster daughter. For sure. I am really excited personally to hear this because through my cancer journey and just being as a result of my cancer journey, just being uncertain if we're going to be able to have more children biologically. Um, and even before I got diagnosed with cancer, foster care adoption has Mm -hmm. always been something that the Lord has put on my heart. And so I am personally excited to hear your story and just your wisdom. So I know your story is extended, like you're, and you're still living in it. You're not, it's not like this pretty wrapped up little thing, but, um, (laughs) would you just begin to share your story with us? I would love to. So it all started in 2015. My husband and I were here in Louisville, Kentucky. He was a second year seminary student working a part-time job. I had just lost my job and we decided, Hey, this is a great time to be foster parents. (laughs) what were we thinking? It just, it had to be the Holy spirit. Cause that just seems foolish looking back on, we had a spare bedroom and love children. So we were like, let's just do it. This mm. is going to go great. Um, and it has, but it's also been so challenging and I'm thankful the Lord kind of blinded us to our financial situation and just what the world would say. You are not ready to be parents, especially mm. in this capacity. Um, and just the kindness that we didn't realize that. And we did it anyway, and just mm. kind of followed blindly. 
um, and obeyed. We actually obeyed. <laughs> we don't always get to celebrate that, but we obeyed in this moment and said, mm. we are going to be foster parents. Mm. So we did. And our first little fellow that came to us was B. We call him B. Um, he was with us for eight months. We picked him up from the hospital and had the most incredible journey with him and his mom. Um, he went home to his mom in March of 2016. So he was with us for about eight months. Okay. Um, and we learned a lot <laughs> during that time. And that was our first experience with what I call joyful grief. And the day I placed him in his mom's arms, I genuinely could not have been more excited mm-hmm. that those two were going to get to be together, but also completely dying on the inside that this little boy that I had sat up with every single night, cause he just was allergic to sleep. and dealt with medications and he had some illnesses that we were working through with him and he was a tough baby Mm -hmm. so as far as a first child experience I cannot believe we continued after because he was tough Mm -hmm. he challenged us but just those mixed emotions of I'm so thrilled for him and for his sweet mom and also just completely torn up like lord what is this Mm -hmm. what do I do with this emotion and trying to run to the Lord in that, but not knowing how, because we hadn't necessarily been through something that painful before, but also we signed up for it. So Mm -hmm. feeling guilty for feeling bad and for feeling guilty. Yeah. And so it was just, it was hard, but that I realized now looking back, that was the first step of him introducing us into this joyful grief and Mm -hmm. what that means and how we can celebrate the Lord's goodness, but also grieve over sin and pain in this world. Mm -hmm. So that's how that got started. And then five days later, we had another call for another little boy to come in our home, who is now our oldest son, Nathan. Oh, sweet. He's about to turn six. And he came to us when he was five months old. And it was very different. Um, His case never really had much hope of reunification, which was hard for me because we went into this really wanting to help kids go home and be with their families the way the Lord intended. Hmm. Um. So when the social worker looked at me and said, you can rejoice that he's probably going to be your son. I want you to be excited that he's going to be a part of your family. Cause I was weeping at just, mm-hmm. he's losing his biological family. And it was so early in the case. I was like, how do you already know these things? How can you make these promises? Which she really probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But she did. <laughs> and it was, it was a tough thing for me to, which I know probably sounds crazy. A lot of people go into this hoping to grow their family, mm-hmm. which I want to give a strong warning about foster care is for reunification. Mm-hmm. I hear this word all the time, foster to adopt, foster to adopt. There's no such thing that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does adoption happen through foster care? Absolutely. I have two, possibly three. Mm-hmm. That will be the result of that. But I think it's not fair to the children or to the parents involved. If you're going in with that mindset, Because if you can go in with the mindset of, Lord, we just want to serve you and this family, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And if these parents are willing to work hard, let's advocate for them. Let's help them. Let's give them resources. Um, It's just, it's beautiful to be able to be a part of that. And I still have a relationship with B and his mom. And they now have another little one that I got to make her first birthday cake for and just do some sweet things like that. And it's incredible. That is so sweet. Okay. So what about your second son, your other son? Yes, James. So he came to us a year later and he is what I like to call our surprise foster son. (laughs) Because I know people are like, what? No, no, it really was a surprise. Our home was closed. We were not going to be taking any more children at that time. 
Zach was graduating from seminary. We were pumped to begin life and ministry, move mm. out of Kentucky and just get started. And the Lord said, no, no, you're going to stay in Kentucky a little bit longer. Mm. Um, and we got that call for him and just said, you know what? I think we're supposed to say yes to this child, mm. not knowing what that meant for our future or, you know, okay, obviously we're not moving right away. Mm -hmm. uh, but we said yes picked him up from the hospital he was five days old and James has been one of the biggest tools of sanctification mm. <laughs> in, in our lives we love him dearly but the child is a hot mess mm. <laughs> and so he is just full of life and in every extreme happiness mm. sadness just he feels everything and has since he was five days old yeah so he has been a challenge in a lot okay. of ways and his case was a challenge too. Mm. So you got him when he was five days old. Okay. So we didn't really know what the case was at first um, with him. We had to wait a little bit. We had lots of like switchover, changeover with staff. So he actually had five workers in his first seven months of life. Oh. So we just never got a straight answer on anything for a very long time. Um, and then we were told, all right, we're going to move towards termination of parental rights. We're going to put you guys on the adoption track. So we were overjoyed. And then bio mom kind of stepped back in the picture and we started having visits and court dates looked a little different. And it was a very challenging time um, for us to just trust, okay, Lord, our mindsets, this was, he was 18 months old when this happened. So he'd been in our home for a year and a half. Hmm. We were completely in love with this child and thought he would be our son that we would get to grow up and and raise and see through mm -hmm. life and then that was challenged when she came back in the picture and we got to know her we spent time with her we had visits with her and mm. it was it was tough it was challenging do we trust the lord's plan over our own do we trust that he's going to protect this child whatever that looks like whether it's in our home or another home but yeah. do we trust even the lack of protection because that's not guaranteed that he's mm. going to be protected if he goes home um do we trust his faithfulness to his promises mm -hmm. and that was when that next part of joyful grief came in of we're joyful that we're getting to see him have a relationship with his mom but we are also really terrified of what's mm. happening um but that ended up not going the way we saw it going and her rights were terminated um, and we adopted him about three years later. <laughs> this just happened last fall. It took oh. a very long time okay. for us to adopt him. Or not last fall, what year is it? 2021? Yeah. 2019. Oh my God, that was two years ago. So two years ago, we adopted him. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I'm the same way. I feel like everything in my life at this point since COVID, I just kind of refer back to, okay, wait, that was spring of 2020 so that must be that must yeah. be 2021 <laughs> 2020 is like not even existent in my mind it's just this same <laughs> same I was talking side note I was talking to somebody about that the other day and and they were like they did not understand what I was saying at all and I just felt like an alien so thank you for oh, saying that <laughs> I'm like what do you mean you don't you Is remember just, 2020 <laughs> we even had a child another child Ella came to us in 2020 and I'm still like what what happened yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah we're all kind of coming out of pulling our heads out yeah. of our holes now but um okay so I love I just love your transparency in sharing like the joyful grief so um I think 
I feel like that's such a helpful thing for me to hear um, because I don't know that much about foster care. And what I have heard is about foster to adopt. And so how do you work through that joyful grief? Like, what does that look like for you? I know that's a really big question, but if you can kind of give us an insight. The most important question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Lots of prayer, knowing what God's promises are. I've spent a lot of time um, over the past couple of years studying scripture to fight what the world says his promises are because our culture says something very different. The church can sometimes, I'm using air quotes on church, mm-hmm. can say something different, but we are only going to know the truth from his word. And so reading, what does he actually promise? What is his faithfulness in? Does he promise comfort? Does he promise an easy life? No, no. <laughs> he promises trial. He promises perseverance, but he also promises that he's going to see those things through so that our joy is complete and not lacking anything, like he says in James. And that is what we have clung to, that the hope of even in Ecclesiastes three, just talking about his perfect timing. I mean, he gives this massive list of there's a time for this, a time for this, a time for this, even to the point where like, okay, we get it. Like what's, what's next. And talking about the joy that is to come in the end in heaven, when we are with our father, we're not going to feel that pain Mm -hmm. anymore. And we can rejoice in all the good that he has done. Mm -hmm. Our brains can't comprehend all the good that is being woven at these times. We're complex. We have sin. We have big emotions that we don't understand. And he tells us that in Isaiah, mm-hmm. <laughs> my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. One of my favorite verses, because it allows me to feel inadequate and be okay with that. Just accepting, I don't know everything and I never will, but I trust that you do. And I'm going to follow you. Yeah. So that is just what we have clung to mm. this entire, you know, and that's only the first really portion of our joyful grief. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, girl preach. I love it. I love it. Um, so how, I mean, I guess maybe that's how I should ask it. What was the hardest part for you through the joyful grief? Like what has been the hardest, most gut-wrenching part of this journey that you have walked with joyful grief? So I'm going to share the second half of this little story. And that is where I think most of the pain has come. We did not know what was going on inside of my body through B, Nathan and James, when they came into our home. And it was the Lord's kindness that he allowed these children in our home before we discovered this crazy journey of infertility that we were going to walk through. Mm. And then when James was a baby, we discovered, I have a lot of diagnoses diagnoses diagnosis I don't know what that word is yeah I don't even know (laughs) a lot of yeah a lot of ghetto shoes a lot of different conditions going on yeah (laughs) so that year that he was born we found out that I have endometriosis PCOS I have a small tumor on my pituitary gland that is a hormone secreting tumor and it just throws my body all out of whack and then I have this gene mutation that causes really fun things too. And it's like my body exploded at once and we realized, okay, biological children are not going to be an option, at least with not, not with the plans that we had. We did not want to necessarily pursue fertility treatments at that time. And that's a discussion we have often. Are we going to do this in the future? Do we wait? Do we not do it forever? What does this look like? We don't even know the answer to that yet, but at the moment we're not doing them. Um, But we knew we wanted to grow our family. So we stopped doing foster care. Um, James was 
we said the last child that we were going to take for a while because we really wanted to grow our family. And like I mentioned earlier, the intent with foster care needs to be reunification. And that just wasn't our mindset at that time. And so we took a step back and hopped into the private adoption world, which was, I thought going to be, oh, we've adopted. This is going to be seamless. I'm going to forget that I'm grieving infertility pain and not work through that properly and just jump right into this area of life. That was not smart. <laughs> if you are going through infertility, that is a big, big life piece of news that needs to be processed and grieved and worked through with the Lord. And we just kind of ignored it and pretended it wasn't a part of our story because we thought, you know what, we have children in our home. I didn't think I was really allowed to grieve that and even process that pain. And so I was hosting baby showers. I had a list of, I mean, it was insane. I think it was 30 friends and family who were pregnant and giving birth in one year. And I was like, what is happening? How is this, how is this happening? And that all accumulated to being connected with a mom who was pregnant, who had chosen us to adopt her son. And this was in the fall of 2019. We had gotten to know this sweet mama and her mom. We were excited. We flew out to New Mexico when the baby was born. We spent time in the hospital and then she decided to parent and not move forward with her adoption plan. And that was the point we kind of broke. <laughs> we had all these hopes and all these dreams that we had just built into this one moment and it wasn't meant to be. And this, these little pieces of joyful grief that the Lord had been building all accumulated to this one, I felt like giant moment of, this is the biggest I can feel grief and joy at the same time because we had put everything into our hopes for this little boy that was gonna join our family. We had imagined college and what this was gonna look like. And we had never let ourselves go there before with a child because in foster care, we just didn't know. And so when that didn't happen, we were still walking that line of being equally excited and joyful for this mom who gets to parent her child and felt empowered to do that, which we fully supported, but also just devastated and realizing we may never have any more children. And is that, is God enough? Do I want God more than I want another child in my home? Is my desire more for him than of my own desires? And so the next couple months, we really wrestled with, do we believe what we've been saying we believe this whole time? Do I walk through this pain of infertility? Do I walk through this pain of, I don't know if you can call it child loss. I, he was never mine to lose, but it felt like he was, you know? And so I think that is when we really just learned, okay, how do we, how do we walk this that we've been like tiptoeing this line of joyful grief, letting it come to this full explosive moment of feeling it like we've never felt and the Lord just meeting us there and saying, I am here. I am faithful. Let me comfort you in this. Let yourselves grow in me in these moments of pain. And it wasn't just, you know, an overnight, okay, we're going to like weep about it and be good. I cried for so long. And I think because I was finally letting myself feel the weight of everything that had come before that, the infertility, be going home. <laughs> Nathan came to our home five days after he went home. I don't know that I ever really had time to process that. And so feeling the weight of James case, the grief of them losing that relationship with their biological families. It was so much just all coming out in this tiny little hotel room in New Mexico. <laughs> but I remember weeping and just saying, God is good. 
God is good. And my mother-in-law saying, please just remember God is good. Mm. And that was our theme. That was our anthem. God is good. God is faithful. Even though this hurts like H-E-L-L. He is so good. Mm. And just being, I'm going to say at peace, but that's complicated too. Cause I still like weep over things, mm-hmm. but still being at peace that whatever happens, his timing is perfect. His mm-hmm. plan is perfect. His goodness is enough and is perfect regardless of what else happens Yeah, with our family, with our lives at this point, with our children. Yeah. So yeah. it was almost an even, like, it wasn't just the loss of a child or all these different events. It was like, overall the loss of the life you thought you were going to live yeah and and grieving that so how are you working through this today because I know that like you said it's not like you're at perfect peace you do have perfect peace but it's not like you are at this place of okay I'm never gonna think about that again or cry (laughs) myself to sleep about these things so how are you working through that today And where have you seen God show up and yourself grow and all the things? Yeah. And his word, his word is just so kind and it, the spirit brings it to moments that are really hard when I'm in a room with my sweet friends who are having an hour long conversation about breastfeeding or childbirth, you know, before I would need to get up and leave or go to my car, go weep in the bathroom, but he has given me strength in those moments to realize that's an opportunity that I can just cry out to him in my head silently as I'm smiling and nodding like, oh yeah, that sounds like it does. Mm. Um, Just trusting, oh, you are teaching me how to cling to you in this moment when I just want to hide in myself. Mm. It's not an option. He's, He's allowing me the grace of his spirit to urge me to him and not to just retreat and fight those moments, but like work through them and be in them because that's where I get to see his goodness. It's not in the happy moments where I'm just bebopping around, it's when it's really hard that I get to run to him and cling to him. Yeah. That's so good. That's so helpful. Are you able to share with us a little bit about how your husband has responded and, and what his grief journey has looked like too? Because I know for our family, we have grieved the loss of the life that we thought we were going to live too. And my grief has looked different, very different than my husband's. So I would love for you to just share a little bit about your husband's journey. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it definitely has looked different than mine. <laughs> I was yes. a very weepy person through this, which I didn't think I was. And the moments that I have seen him weep and like physically seen him grieve things has been very eye-opening. Hmm. And what is he typically grieving over specifically? Like, are, is it even the same things as you? Cause I know for Ben and I, it's different. I'm like, you're sad about that. <laughs> like no disrespect, but like, that's not what I'm crying about over here. So it really has been, I feel like we've been pretty in line you okay. know, the moments where he's been open with me about, you know, my friends talk about, Oh, so-and-so has got your eyes and got your hair. And, and then he says, I like to play a joke of like, yeah, I've got James, James is biracial. I've got James curls, you know, and obviously that's not true. (laughs) So he, he makes it lighthearted in those moments. But then when we come together later, just admitting how painful that is and walking through that. And he has been the one to point me 
the man just is incredible with scripture. I don't understand his brain capacity for memorizing things. I wish I had it. I don't. He has the entire book of like Hebrews memorized along with a few others. And I'm just, I, I don't even understand. That's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. So he's constantly able to spew out these truths that I would probably have to Google. What does God say about peace? You know, mm. like I can't just jump to those places. Totally, totally same. <laughs> he's like my own personal Google when it comes yeah. to <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so that's been helpful. Um, and him admitting too that it is different in ways of it's not thrown in his face as often as it is me. You know, all of my friends are pregnant, they're nursing, they're with these little babies attached to them as far as that goes. And he doesn't necessarily feel that in the same way because he doesn't see it. It's, you know, he's at work, he's mostly with guys. Um, and it's just not something in his face as much. And so he's been extremely sensitive to that with me, which I'm thankful for. Mm. Um, and I've had to honestly teach him <laughs> and walk him through, Hey, crappy day, crappy moment. I'm going to cry for a minute. Please don't try and fix it. Just get me some ice cream and let's just call it a day. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to cry for a minute. And he does. And he lets me do it. And he'll sometimes ask like, is this like a, like a cry thing? Or like, you want me to respond thing? <laughs> like, <"Thank> you, <laughs> wow. He and my husband would be great friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's that's kind of where he's at and we both are just trying to cling to trusting the Lord with our future and what that means and I think actually there is one more thing I, I will share about that time I forgot to mention we were trying to move to Atlanta during all of this happening and the Lord needed us in Louisville we didn't know that at the time um so for two years he was getting job rejection after job rejection interviews that would just mysteriously fall through people would never call him back and like I know I'm a little biased but he's an awesome guy he's super smart he's got great people skills there's no reason he should not have been hired for 90% of these jobs he was overqualified for most of them and so for him to just constantly take that rejection after rejection and then while we were in the private adoption rejection after rejection of not being chosen it just felt so personal for him and for me but I think more for him of I'm just getting nose thrown in my face 24 seven and trusting again, the Lord's plan, the Lord's timing. And it turns out we were supposed to be in Louisville because now our third child in our home, Ella came to us exactly a year ago. She's just heard one. Oh, that's so sweet. So as far as practical things um, that you did to allow yourself to heal, do you, I mean, what did it even look like? Like you said that God's word has encouraged you so much. What does it even look like for you to read his word? Like, are you doing a devotional? Are you just read, are you memorizing scripture? Share with us some really practical things that you did. So I've been a part of two Bible studies, um, probably the past four or five years, one being BSF, which has just been the biggest blessing. It, they just focus on God's word. I love the intentionality that when we go into that room, they say, they, they say, don't talk about, let's try and avoid commentaries, pastors, authors. I don't care what church you come from, what denomination, what does God's word say? And that's what we discuss which I just think is beautiful. And you've got women from so many different places and then they pound it in. You read the scripture, you talk about the scripture, you hear a lecture on the scripture, and then you're given footnotes to read about the lecture and the discussion and the scripture you read. And so it is just hammered in until you know God's word. And that has been huge. And then we also do a little mom's Monday night thing that we've done for years now. 
and we go through lots of things, usually a Jen Wilkins study. Those are our favorites because she's very similar and she sticks to what is the word she wants us to work through ourselves. Mm -hmm. What is God saying? Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that your God has just made your heart so pure and bent towards him and, and reading his word. And that, that is where you have found life is in him. That is so encouraging. And right now, um, actually just last week, Monday nights, I started meeting with a group of women from my church and here we call it a discipleship group. And it is just that it is, there are two leaders, um, who are super wise and just discipling us in what does it look like to walk with the Lord, wherever you are at, whatever you are walking through. And what I, I was just reading this huge book that we're reading this morning, I was reading through it. And for a moment, I felt like, wow, this is really intense. Like, do they really (laughs) expect us to read all of this? Or, you know, um, do we really need to focus this much on God's word? And the Lord was like, this yeah. is my purest <laughs> form of communication with you. And so for you to say that it is so encouraging to me. And I know for our listeners as well, because sometimes even if we've been a Christian forever, but then we have some sort of tragedy, it feels like, okay, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And he's already there waiting for us to, he's waiting to speak to us through his word. But sometimes I know that like, even, you know, you put in quotations church. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily say like, you know, mature Christians in the church, but maybe sometimes we get this mixed message from the church that, oh, you should be reading your Bible, but then also like, oh, it's fine. If you like, don't read it every day, it's totally fine. Which obviously it is, but what is your heart behind it? Like, is your heart to find Jesus? Because if it is, then it's going to make total sense for you to seek his word and for that to be your primary source of life and truth and guidance for all of the mess that you're walking through. So I just love that. Like your, your primary source of hope is, is straight from the Lord. I don't want anybody to feel harsh judgment or condemnation, but it, it is one more thing that we can be doing. And I know that our Mm -hmm. culture sometimes swings toward the side of, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself to read the word or to be involved in a church or, you know, be a member of your local church. Like, but I will all of those things. What'd you say? (laughs) I said, do all of those things. Do all of the Bible every day, be in God's word, be a part of the church. It's so important. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I know for me, like even this morning, I felt like, oh my goodness, this feels like a lot. This feels like one more thing. Should I really be doing one more thing? And God just spoke to me and was like, this is where you are going to really find me. Like you're going to dig deep. We don't get that when we are, and don't get, don't hear me say, don't go to church, like be involved (laughs) in your local church. I will say that loud and clear, but like, you're not going to go as deep with others. You're not going to be discipled one-on-one or even in a small group setting. Um, and on Sunday mornings necessarily. And so, yes. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. And I just, I love how the Lord works and (laughs) like, even just so personally in our lives. I mean, literally these were my thoughts this morning of, and just to hear you say how important it is to be in the word it's, it's encouraging to my heart. So thank you. Okay. Can you just kind of share with us like your thought process of when you were struggling with all of this, why, and how did you still choose Jesus? 
before I knew Jesus, I clung to things of this world. And I did not become a believer until I was 18. And so choosing other things other than Jesus had led me down a terrible road. And it was horrible. And that's what eventually led me to Jesus was realizing, man, this sucks. Like, this cannot be life. And so when I became a believer, just learning who Jesus was and what he was and what he has done and what he will do, just that essential character of who he is. When these hard moments came, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a choice. It was an automatic, okay, I've tried not seeking Jesus in my life and look how painful that was. So let's run to who we know will bring us the comfort, the peace, the joy and eternity of joy with him. You are still working through life, not being what you planned for it to be and broken dreams, loss, grief. How is that, how has that taught you about the Lord? Um, You know, you've mentioned a lot that his word has shared with you who he is and his promises, but who has, how has that taught you about who God is? Like, what have you learned about who God is? And and can you share just some specific examples of that? Yeah, he is a creative God. (laughs) And I think in line with learning that I'm learning about myself as well and how little my creativity is and how restrictive my thoughts and my brain can be about, about life, what to do the next day, what to do the next week, what's coming. Um, that's been a big focus. You know, we're constantly looking, I think as humans, what's next, what, where are we going? What are we doing? What are we planning for? Um, but knowing his character and his creativeness, we just went through Genesis and just the creation story, we studied it more in depth than I have before. I think that's one of those Bible stories. You're like, God created the world and the mm-hmm. animals. And then there was like a flood and a rainbow. And so was it <laughs> Jen Wilkins study? Yes, it was. Okay. I, we did that at our old church in New York. So good. It was so yes. eye-opening. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much more to this mm-hmm. and the intentionality that he took with creation. And he has that same intentionality with our lives and he's working these stories together He's working all these tiny little pieces of everyone's life for our sanctification, for his glory, and for these good things to come together so that everyone can come to know his great name, the name of Jesus. And so when I focus on myself in these tiny moments of like, okay, how am I going to make lunch today? I don't even know. PB&J sucks. I don't want to do this. We're going to Chick-fil-A. These little moments and just trusting in those tiny moments of, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to take a step back. You've got a creative plan for this day, for these children, for this life. And then using those in those big moments, that data, not just day to day, but looking, okay, what is next week? What is Atlanta? What does Atlanta look like? What does the future of our family look like? Being excited at his character and his creativeness and trusting, look at what he's already done. Look at what he's done in our life. Look at what he's done in others, which is one of the reasons I'm obsessed with podcasts is because I can just listen to the ways that he has worked in people's lives. And then of course, scripture, the Bible is full of stories of how he has taken people in their craziness because the Bible is full of crazy people and just used them for his glory in the most insane ways. And you're like, how could he even conceive that thought? And so remembering that, how could he even conceive the thoughts that he's gonna do in my life and my children's lives and my friends around me with this, church we're trying to join in Atlanta, just trusting and being excited 
about that. I'm excited about his creativity and his character. And it took me a little while to get there, but, and, and I, there are moments <laughs> where I am not excited and I am just throwing a pity party. And I'm like, you know what? I give up. Fine. You win, Lord. I'm just going to sit on the couch until you do something. Cause apparently I have no control. And I realize that's an aggressive thought, but it's real. And so then he's like, hold on. Remember, like, can we just take a step back? Remember my creativeness in this? Remember how I worked these boys? And now they're like the best of little friends, this four and five-year-old or five and almost six. And just trusting, okay, okay, you're right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then of course, five minutes later, I freak out again and he has to go through the whole cycle. But we're working on it. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. That is the realest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> Oh my goodness. No, that is seriously one of the realest things I've ever heard. It is so true. And I feel like you just explained my own life to me. That is exactly what it looks like to walk through letting go of control. It's messy and it's not fun and it's frustrating and it's humbling, but I love like how just the thoughts that he has given you about his creativity before we close, I would love for you, for us to be able to end on a fun question. And so my fun question for the season is if you could have any wish granted right now, it does not have to do with foster care or infertility. If you could have any wish granted right now in the whole wide world. Like you had a magic genie, what would it be? Um, a house. I want a giant house that I can fill with tons of children and just have space to breathe a little bit. We have lived in itty bitty little apartments and rentals are almost 10 years of marriage um, due to unforeseen circumstances of still being in Kentucky. We keep waiting. Okay, we'll buy a house. We move. Well, it's been five years. We haven't moved. So we're still in like little rentals and I just want a house. I'm so house crazy. And, <laughs> and just for fun, what kind of work does your husband do? Because you just never know connections that might be listening. What kind of work does your husband do so that we can be on the lookout for a job for him? Please do. So he is the talent manager for a Chick-fil-A organization here in Louisville. So he works for um, a guy, Bruce Smith, who owns four different Chick-fil-A's, but the goal is for him to eventually be at the support center, Chick-fil-A's kind of headquarters down in College Park. Oh, I have a lot of local listeners, so you just never know. Yeah. So That'd that is a super little <laughs> fun bug to just put in someone's ear. So, yes. well, Jean, thank you so much just for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. I love how similar our stories are, and it's just such a great reminder of God. Like you said, God's creativity that he can take any kind of trauma and grief and show himself through it. Yeah. Thank you for letting me share about his faithfulness. Hey, thank you for joining us today. I hope you're not falling for a lie that you could never be holy enough to respond to your situation as our guest today did. I know that's sometimes where my head goes when I hear stories of holy struggle, so can I remind you that you have everything you need to respond the same way? Jesus offers hope in our pain, and it usually only requires a perspective shift to notice it. So whether it's time in His Word, going for a walk through creation, or a heart-to-heart -heart with a friend, this is your weekly reminder to take time to snatch that much-needed perspective shift. Thank you.